please stand and join in the call to worship. Come from the city streets. Join the happy throng that gathers to honor Jesus. Come from your busy homes and places of business. Put down your work in joyful celebration. Come, lay down your sorrows and worries. Turn your eyes toward the Savior whom God has sent. Let us all join in joyful song. Let me welcome all of you to worship today, those who are here that may be guests, we especially welcome you, but uh, all who have gathered here, it is good to be in the house of the Lord today on this Palm Sunday. 
we would ask that all uh, that are present to would um, please sign the registration notebook. You'll see at the end of each tab, uh, end of each pew. Just write your name and address, phone number, anything in there that you would like for us to know, and we will uh, we will pick those up after the service today. We gather here on this Palm Sunday, here in the heart of Five Point South. Southside Baptist Church is a church with a long history here, seeking to build an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that means welcoming all who come into this place. For we come for the one single purpose of worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to bring honor and glory unto him. And to do that, we sing songs of praise and offer prayers, and we fellowship together. All those things we do is a part of the life of the church. But it is... Jesus that binds us, unites us together, and for that we are grateful and we come to worship today. So may we continue to worship as we come before the Lord in prayer now. Loving Lord, into your presence we come. With great celebration we come, knowing that as we do, we come into a house that is designed for worship, a place where we meet others who have also assembled for that purpose. We come to lift up your name. We come to worship you with not only our voices, but every part of our very being. I pray now, Lord, that you would receive our worship, that it would be worthy, that we indeed would worship you in spirit and in truth. For it's in your name I pray. Amen.
Our first reading today is found in Psalm 118. It's a selection of verses from this psalm, from this psalm verses 1 and 2 and 19 through 29. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord will bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With vows in hand, join in the festal process. Up to the home of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Here ends our first lesson. Our second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, reading the first 11 verses. In honor of the Gospel, will you stand for the reading of Scripture? And when they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, Near to the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say, The Lord needs it and will send it back immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the coat? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and throw the, threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who were following were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord.
Martin, you can come up here too. Let's see what we got here. You can sit right, sit down right here beside me, okay? Well, it's good to see you all today, and to know that all of you came and you helped us this morning, both in Sunday school and then now as we came into worship. Abby, can you go over there to that side and get those the other palm branches that are over there? They're right there. They're on the. You know, when we came into worship today, you all had one of these. Jack, I don't think we got you back there in time, but we'll, uh, we're sorry for that. Maybe next year you'll be able to carry one of these in for us. But you came in and you were waving these. Do you know why we were doing that? Why were we doing that? It seems sort of strange, doesn't it? Well, let me ask you this. When you go to a ball game or something like that, when there's something really exciting happening, do you sometimes wave or have... Uh, pom-poms and things like that that you wave you do don't you well that's what you were doing and so I'm gonna give you these these are a little bit less um, rigid so I don't think you'll hurt anybody with them there's two more back there that's you okay can you get those when you came in though you were waving these and you did so because of what Dr. Roxborough just read in the Bible he said that the people were coming in ahead of Jesus and they were waving they were taking their coats and putting them on the floor, on the ground, and they were waving these, these palm fronds. Can you hang, hold your hands up and wave them? Wave like this. You think that would get somebody's attention? You think it would? Oh, you don't have one here, tomorrow. Here, I didn't give you one. Do you have one, Ben? Okay. You want that one? Which one do you want? This one? Okay. All right. Well. They would wave these because it was a way that they could show they were excited. They were excited that Jesus, and they shouted this word, Hosanna. You know what that means? We might have to get Dr. Roxburgh to tell us, but really, what it really means, it means is God saves, or God save us. To, it is, God is coming to save those. He's coming. His king is coming. So when we think about Palm Sunday, it's the time that Jesus came in Jerusalem. He was riding on a, a little donkey. And he came, and all the people were excited. It was a big festival time. And so when you come in doing that, we're getting ready for, for a week of events here at, at church, but also it's a reminder of Jesus coming in into the kingdom. So think about this when you go out today, and did all of you get a palm cross? Jack, you have yours, don't you? Your palm cross right here, and, and Ben, you have one. Y'all, did y'all get one? Yeah, you've all got them. Okay. Well, great. I'm glad that you got those, and you take those home with you. And then what you can remember is that on Palm Sunday that we celebrate Jesus coming into the, into the city of Jerusalem, and then also we celebrate the beginning of Holy Week. The palm branches help us remember, help us remember that Jesus, who was our King, our Savior, came into the city and began those week of events that transpired. So let's think about this for just a moment. I want you to take these with you, and you can have them if you'll promise me one thing. You can't hit anybody with them. Can you do that? Can you do that? Not even Ben, not even your sister. <laughs> so we will, we, will, uh, we will trust that you'll do it. But you can take it home, and you can remember that on Palm Sunday, you helped us come into the worship hour to start it because you came in waiting. Before we have a prayer, hold them up once again and wave real, real, okay, all right. 
Let's, let's offer prayer. Hmm? Lord, we thank you for all of these children. We thank you for this special day. We thank you for this time we have to pray and to remember what you and your infinite love have done for all of humankind. Bless these children and bless us as we lead them. May this be a great day as we worship together. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. join me as we bring our prayers before the Lord this morning. Will we pray? <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you, our Lord and our Savior, our friend. Blessed are you, Redeemer King. You are the one who reigns sovereign in our hearts. Hosanna in the highest. We greet you that we might learn of you. We learn of you that we might love you. Grant us this morning your grace once again to overcome our sin. Grant us your Holy Spirit to enable us to follow you. Lord Jesus, we long to have your compassion, your courage, your obedience, that we might be strong enough to love our neighbors, to strive for justice, to endure the cross. As we approach the final days of Lent and enter into Holy Week, be our vision when the way before us is not clear when the way before us is not pleasant. Be our vision when our sight is dim, when at times our faithlessness paralyzes us. Be our vision when insights are failing, when revelations are rare. Be our vision so that we might press on. Be our vision that we may not give up. Hear us this morning, gracious God, as we pray for others. We pray for those for whom every day seems to be a season of Lent, of self-doubt, of suffering, of fear, and of sorrow. We pray for those for whom every day requires courage and sacrifice, living under the shadow of death. We especially remember those today who live with pain or loneliness. We realize we live in a world of warfare, of poverty, and oppression. And we hold people's needs before you and ask that you reach out with your powerful hand to heal, protect, and restore. And Lord, we pray that we may be the answer to our own prayers and the answer to the prayer of those who cry out to you in need, that we might minister your grace and your presence towards one another. We pray for your church throughout the world and for ourselves as a congregation that we might be a home for the lost, a haven for the oppressed, a source of healing for those broken by life circumstances. Oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers this day. We place into your hands, gracious God, those who are especially upon our hearts whose names, whose faces we bring silently before you this morning. Father, we commend all for whom we pray, 
trusting in your mercy, which comes to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray with confidence, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It was the summer of 1977. Uh, Gwen and and myself, my wife and I, were finishing off our studies at Theological College in London. But it also was the Silver Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II, the Queen. Queen not of England, as she's often described over here in America. I had to write to the editor of the New York Times a few years ago and instruct him in that. She's the Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Anyway, by the way, that's just a pet peeve of mine. But we were down in London for a special celebration of our Silver Jubilee. We had gone to the River Thames for uh, 
fireworks and a musical celebration of that event. And after it was cash, we ran to get to Whitehall to see the royal procession in the royal carriage. And as she passed by, I'm fairly certain that she said to Prince Philip, I think that's Ken Roxborough over there <laughs> with his fiancée, Gwen Thompson. Let's wave at him and her. A royal procession. On that first Palm Sunday, another royal procession took place when our Lord and Savior entered into Jerusalem. He had been in Jerusalem almost every year of his life. The scriptures tell us that when he was growing up, Joseph and Mary took him there every year for Passover. But this was going to be a special Passover. This was going to be a unique occurrence. And so he comes riding on a donkey, and the crowds are celebrating his entrance and crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Sometimes try to imagine what it would have been like to be there on that day. The electric anticipation of that first Palm Sunday. There must have been an emotional vibe in the crowd as they waited and watched Jesus come into Jerusalem. Something was in the air. Something special was happening. It was a day when travelers from all over the country had come into the city for the festival of Passover. Families would have been busy making their last-minute arrangements to get the Passover meal ready, securing the unblemished lamb for the sacrifice and dinner, collecting all the various herbs and spices, filling the carafes with wine, not Welsh's grape juice. Surely excitement was everywhere. And that day in Jerusalem, Jesus comes riding on a donkey. In their book, The Last Week, the day-to-day -day account of Jesus' final week in Jerusalem, Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan speak about two processions that would have happened on that occasion, on that day. It was the beginning of Passover week, the most sacred week in Jewish history, the week when Israel celebrated their liberation, their freedom from the oppressive forces of Egypt. And now they're experiencing yet another empire that has taken control of their country. It seems as there's been a never-ending stream of these empires. Assyria, Babylon, the Greeks, and now the Romans. And as Jesus enters, they're longing that perhaps the Messiah will come and liberate them from the forces of Rome. But on the other side of the city, there's an imperial procession in the western side when Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the province, has entered at the head of a column of imperial cavalry and soldiers. It's a demonstration to a people who are celebrating their liberation from slavery that they are under the control of Rome. When Mark wrote this incident, his readers would have been familiar with the events of that day. On both sides of the city, a different procession. At the time when the Jews were celebrating, another oppressive power was demonstrating its force over their country. Pilate lived apparently most of the year at Caesarea, 
But at times of Jewish festivals, he would travel the 60 miles to be in the city to just show who was boss. He's there with cavalry, soldiers, horses, leather armor, helmets, weapons, golden eagles mounted on poles. Imagine it. The sound of marching feet, horses neighing as the dust swirls, and the crowds are resentful, but they're impressed. It's almost like these demonstrations of military power that used to take place, maybe they still do, every year in Moscow during the Cold War. The people of Israel are resentful, but they're fearful. On the other side of the city, down from the Mount of Olives, comes Jesus. Cheered by his followers who are hoping that he is the Messiah, that he will liberate Israel from oppressive power, that he will bring a rebellion and it will all be over. Pilate represented the theology of an imperial power which declared that Caesar was divine. The titles that were given to Caesar were reminiscent of what Jesus was claiming to himself, son of God, Lord, Savior, who had brought the Prince of Peace onto this world. You perhaps hear echoes of the New Testament. So there's a contrast going on in Jerusalem that day. There's the power of one king and there's the power of the other. The choice is deliberate. The choice is Christ or Caesar. The writers of the New Testament here are deliberately pitting Jesus against the power of Rome. Pilate's procession is not only an embodiment of political reality, but it's a rival theology. It's a theology of somebody who wants worship, devotion, and complete commitment to the cause. And Jesus offers something very different. The action of Jesus is very, very deliberate here. Out of the 10, 11 verses in this chapter, Mark spends six of them focusing on the preparation that Jesus has made for this day. He sends his disciples to get the donkey. He knows what's going to happen. When they find the donkey and they untie it, somebody's going to say, what are you doing? But Jesus has made prior arrangements. And so when they come and they try to untie the donkey and they're asked, what are you doing? They say to him, well, the master needs it. Preparation has been made. But the significance of the donkey is that Jesus is sitting on a donkey, not a horse, an agricultural tool, not a weapon of war, a tractor, not a tank. It's hard to see how the Roman governor would have missed the joke directed against him. Jesus' triumphal entry ends not at the imperial palace, but at the temple. And Mark says that Jesus went into the temple and looked around, and it was late, and he went back to Bethany. End of day one. The spreading of the cloaks, the waving of the palm branches, the cry of Hosanna are all in one sense rehearsed, and yet they're also the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah. It's a planned political demonstration, but nobody gets thrown out and nobody gets punched in the face. What a contrast. The politics of Caesar and Christ. Jesus, humble, riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey, 
Mark's very deliberate in citing Zechariah. Matthew is less so. But if you go back to Zechariah and you carry on in the reading of the Hebrew Bible, you read this. He, Jesus, will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. It's a deliberate citation, allusion to the prophecy of the coming of the king who will bring a universal reign which will bring peace to this world. His kingdom shall be from east to west, from north to south. The new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness will dwell. Palm Sunday is looking forward to an event that we still long for in our hearts today. It's a contrast that offers a choice in that first Palm Sunday. But it comes to us this morning in 2016. What kind of savior are we looking for? What kind of Messiah do we want? What kind of deliverance and salvation are we desiring? What kind of kingdom are we longing for? Are we placing our hopes for a better world, for a better America in the events of this year or in the coming of Christ? The psalmist says, some take their pride in chariots, some in horses, but our pride is in the name of the Lord our God. The two processions, Christ or Caesar. Now, in a sense, we cannot pretend that we live in a world without some kind of Caesar. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. We live in 2016 in the context of a political democracy. We live with all the advantages and challenges that that brings. And we make our choice daily. Do we follow Christ? John talks about being in the world but not being of the world. Paul says that we are citizens of this world, but our real citizenship is in heaven. We follow King Jesus in the context of other kings that long for our devotion. We sometimes have to make choices whereby we take up our cross and follow Jesus down a Via Dolorosa. Two different crowds from the opposite sides of the city. In one, there are Jews who have compromised, settled down, to accommodate Rome into their lives. But here Jesus leads what seems to be an unorganized bunch of men and women walking around alongside him, sometimes behind him, sometimes ahead of him. They're not wearing their military finest. They're wearing sandals with normal everyday working clothing. Unlike Pilate's following, Jesus' group is not an impressive display of power, but they are an impressive display of devotion. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I wonder if as many people were watching the other display of power, if the majority were stony-faced. Reluctantly they've come because that's where you're meant to be on this Palm Sunday. You're meant to be acknowledging Caesar, and they are, although reluctantly, perhaps fearful about being too outspoken against him. But on the other side of the city, the crowds are shouting, shouting with all their hearts, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us. 
save now. The cry is filled with a deep, perhaps even a desperate desire that God does something. Perhaps the despair that inhabits their dreams at night, the despair of longing for outward liberation, but also for something deep within their own hearts. They long for God, who seems to have disappointed them for so long, to come and do something about it. Surely Jesus will be the answer to all their needs. In a few days, they will celebrate Passover. They will remember the past, but in remembering the past, they will long for something better in the future. And as they celebrate Passover, that future will have come in the person of Jesus to fulfill God's purposes. Save us, they cry. Save us. Don't hold back, Jesus says. Cry to God. Bring to God your candor. Save me and save me now. Tell God the longing of your heart. That's what they're doing. We address God, says Walter Brueggemann. We address God in imperatives. God does not take affront. He's not put off. He longs for our cries to be deliberate, specific, and to confront him with our needs. And so on Palm Sunday, as we enter into this wonderful week that we call Holy Week, as we anticipate the events of this week, of Monday, Thursday, of Good Friday, of Holy Saturday, of Easter Sunday, God is in the midst. And as God is in the midst, we cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, Lord. Save us now. The Passion account challenges us to choose whether to become true disciples or to fade away with another crowd. Which procession are we happier following, identifying with this morning? We're invited to gather around the true power in the universe to make the true power that is made present in the fragile form of Jesus riding on a donkey, a power that will transform the whole world through the suffering of the cross of Calvary. Hosanna, they cried, save now, and love did, and love does for us in 2016. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, entering into our world in the person of Jesus Christ, your wonderful Son, we cry to him this morning, Hosanna, save, save now. We ask it in his name. Amen. Our hymn of response of Promise 173, lift up your heads, you mighty gates, behold the King of glory waits. 173.
you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for another chance to meet together in your house for worship. As we enter into this most holy week, a week that ends with great joy, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Christ, we come to you now with humble hearts, knowing that all we are and all we have is a gift from you. We experience your blessings in our lives every day. Your blessings are always given to us freely and with ultimate love. I pray that the offerings given today are given out of love. May we love enough to give back that which is already yours. Bless these tithes and offerings. In Christ's name, amen.
Please take your seat for just a moment, please. Two or three things that you want to be aware of about this week. This is Holy Week, and there are changes in our normal weekly schedule. We will not have Wednesday evening activities, but we'll have our uh, Friday, uh, Good Friday service. So we're encouraging all those who might have been coming on Wednesday, be sure to make plans to come on Friday at 6 p.m. And then everyone else, too, of course. On uh, Thursday... We have a contemplative service that will be here at our church at 530. It'll be a Monday, Thursday service. But prior to that time, Dr. Roxborough will be over at uh, South Highlands Presbyterian Church for their Holy Week service at noon, 12 o'clock noon will be their service. And then there's a lunch following at 1230. So 30 minutes to preach is all you've got, even less. So you'll want to, if, if it's where your schedule permits, you'll want to go and, and uh, be a part of that as well. This is a great week in the life of the church. It is a, a week of heaviness in many ways, but also it is that time that we remember the goodness, the love, the mercy of God, the forgiveness that we have in and through Jesus the Christ. So as we go out, it's a day of celebration as we have celebrated the, on Palm Sunday, but it's also a day in which we, as the spring has birth, burst forth, we too burst forth with the love that we have for one another, and for those that we encounter day by day as we share our lives, walking hand in hand with those closest to us, but also reaching out to those that are in our community, in our neighborhoods, always sharing the love of Christ wherever we go. Would you stand as we prepare to go out? And before Dr. Roxborough has our uh, benediction, would you pass a piece of Christ to those close to you by speaking to them? And then after the benediction, you'll want to remain and hear the choral benediction as a choir. Be with Peace with you. And as Jesus looked around the temple, he left and went back to Bethany. So as we go to our Bethanies, may you go in the peace and the love and the mercy of God with you now and forevermore.